You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. So church, as we all know, the bulletproof vest is a vital part of law enforcement equipment that has saved the lives of countless, uh, or at least thousands of police officers for well over half a century. However, what you may not know is that the salvation of these lives can be accredited, at least in part, to a Catholic priest in the late 19th century. You heard me correctly. You see, at the dawn of the 20th century, guns were prolific and violence was starting to increase in Chicago. Not much has changed in the last 125 years. Well, the situation came to a head when in 1893, when Mayor uh, Cater Henry Harrison was shot and killed in his own home. And so this assassination caused great unrest and political uproar in the city. And it was then that Reverend Casimir Zeglin, who served as priest as the largest Roman Catholic church in Chicago, I believe it was a Polish church, he stepped in. You see, the mayor's assassination inspired this priest to develop an article of clothing that could stop high-velocity projectiles in their tracks. And so after years of development and experimentation, he found the right combination of a, of a thread-weaving technique uh, using linen, wool, and mostly silk. And so confident in his newly found technique, the ambitious priest put his money where his mouth was. And he actually put on demonstrations uh, for this bulletproof vest. If we can go to the next slide. There he is, right there. Good old Father Zeglin doing his thing. Shoot me. And so he would put this thing on and literally have guys shoot him from point-blank range. And while it's unknown how many shots to the chest he took through the years, his vest stopped the bullet from penetrating every time. That takes guts, doesn't it? Like, you got to be really stinking confident in your, like, oh, this guy, I don't know if he had a death wish or what. But anyway, uh, so we don't know how many times he actually put on these demonstrations, but he put on enough of them uh, to convince many people. And so obviously, vest technology has drastically advanced uh, through the years using different material than was used, obviously, when he was getting shot in this picture. Uh, however, the thread weaving techniques are very much the same. And so it can be rightly said that for every vest that stops a bullet in today's world, some of the credit goes back to a Catholic priest from the late 1800s. Isn't that crazy? Now, church, the purpose of a bulletproof vest isn't to prevent a bullet from hitting you. It's to prevent a bullet from penetrating you. You see, a direct shot to the vest can still cause a great deal of pain. It can cause a great deal of bruising. It can cause a great deal of internal injury and, or even have enough force to knock you down. However, if all goes according to plan, the vest is designed to protect your vital organs from the enemy's shots and save your life. Well, in many ways, God provides us with a similar type of spiritual protection. Sure, the enemy's shots may cause pain, and sure, the enemy's shots may cause bruising, and sure, the enemy's shots may cause some injury or may even knock us down. However, if we are wearing the spiritual protection that God has provided, we won't succumb to our wounds. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, and then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. And so this morning, as we continue our series in the armor of God, we're going to look at the second piece of armor in our spiritual arsenal. It's a piece of armor that's designed to protect us from being penetrated by the enemy. 
And it's through our study we're going to be reminded of this important truth. And it's this. Our refuge is in God's righteousness. I want to remember that as we work through today's text. So let's just bow our heads and pray, and then we'll jump right in. Lord God, I want to thank you for this morning, for the opportunity to once again open up your word. And so, Lord, I pray that I would get out of the way, that your word would speak to our hearts, that you would use it to penetrate our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would leave here closer to Jesus than when we arrived. I pray that we would leave here better equipped uh, to fight the battles of the enemy than when we arrived. So God, we commit this time to you and just pray your blessing over the teaching and reading of your word. And all God's people said, amen. So before we begin, it's always important to lay a foundation for where we've been, in case some of you guys are just showing up uh, for the first time during this series. Uh, So the Apostle Paul begins this text in Ephesians 6 by reminding us that there's an unseen war taking place. It's in the spiritual realm. It's something that we cannot see. We call it spiritual warfare. And it's this war in the spiritual realm that in many ways impacts what happens in the physical realm. In other words, the flesh and blood problems that we see or experience are almost always a result of a spiritual problem that we cannot see or experience. And so therefore, if we're going to have victory in this spiritual war, we need to use spiritual weapons. So last week, we learned that the first and most important spiritual weapon in our armory is the belt of truth. Why? Because just as a belt holds up a Roman soldier's clothing and keeps keeps him from tripping in battle, the unchanging truth of God's word holds us up and keeps us from tripping in spiritual battle. In fact, all the other weapons in the armor of God are held up by the belt of truth, which is why it's vital that we keep our belts tightened and fastened at all times. And so that was last week. So so before jumping into the next piece of spiritual armor, we're going to read the whole text again from Ephesians 6 for context, and then we'll we'll hop into the second piece. So follow along with me. It's Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Paul wrote, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You know, church, as a kid, I used to love watching professional wrestling. used to be the WWF back in my day. And they converted it to the WWE, and it just got really terrible after that. Well, it, but I was, I was raised in the glory days of wrestling. I got to watch guys like Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Ric Flair, Jake the Snake Roberts. Did, did somebody woo when I said Ric Flair? Did I hear that? Woo! We're getting, off, we're getting way off already. Macho Man Randy Savage, Brett the Hitman Hearts. And I would watch them dress up in their flashy wardrobes and duke it out in the ring. 
and I used to love it. I still can't believe somebody wooed, but anyway, actually I could believe that. But here's, here's the thing about pro wrestling. I love it, that's hilarious. Hey, whoever said that, I hate to break the news to you. It's all staged, right? It's all staged. You see, well before the wrestlers go into battle, it's already predetermined who's going to have the victory. You see, the battle is won well before anyone gets into the ring. Now, even though the winner may already hold the victory, they're not going to have the victory unless they suit up and get into the ring. And they got to claim it. Well, church, the same is true when it comes to fighting our spiritual battles. As Pastor Dan reminded us a few weeks ago, we don't fight for victory, for victory we fight from victory. 1 Corinthians 15.57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us what? Victory. Say it again. That's, that's, you guys should learn this by now. I make you talk all the time, and I always call you out on saying it kind of low the first time, and then we've got to do it again the second time. So when I call you to read, just do it right the first time. Capiche? Let's read this one again. But thanks be to God who gives us the? Victory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the deal. Even though we already hold the victory, we won't have the victory unless we too suit up, get into the ring, and claim it. That's what putting on the armor of God is all about. And so today we're going to study the second piece of armor called the breastplate of righteousness. And in doing so, we're going to learn three keys to victory over the attacks of the enemy. So let's begin by looking at the first key to victory. Here it is. Claim your righteous position. Claim your righteous position. Look again at verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, last summer I was invited to participate in a special training day for the troop police department. And basically they created different scenarios and my job was to role play either the, the role of the victim or the perpetrator. Now before going into the training, I was warned by one of the officers to wear my vest. However, uh, when the time came, I forgot to wear it, and of course I lived to regret that one. You see, during one of the training scenarios, I was shot twice in the chest. Bam, bam. And at first, it felt like, it, not with real bullets, by the way. I'm, <laughs> I'm alive. But at first, it felt just like a small sting. Uh, but it wasn't until after I got home that I realized that the bullets actually broke the skin on my chest, and I was bleeding a little bit, you know? And I actually still have scars from those shots on my chest. So needless to say, if I had been wearing my vest, it would have lessened the blow of the bullets. Well, church, a Roman soldier's breastplate was basically a jacket of metal, or composed of metal that covered the front and back of a soldier's body from the neck to the thighs. And its purpose was to ward off deadly thrusts from the enemy's sword and protect the vital organs, especially the heart, from injury. It was designed to lessen the blow of the enemy's attacks. Well, in the same way, this is what the breastplate of righteousness does for us. It's designed to blow, uh, excuse me, designed to lessen the blow of the enemy's attacks. And so, as I mentioned last week, one of Satan's primary tactics in spiritual warfare is to lead us astray from the truth. After all, he's called the father of lies for a reason. 
and see one of the most debilitating ways that he tries to lead us away from the truth is relentlessly attacking us with false accusations. It's an attack of the mind, and he's relentless. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, describes Satan as the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. He accuses us, and then he actually accuses us before God as well. You see, the enemy attempts to penetrate our hearts by accusing us of our sin and unworthiness. In fact, his attacks cause many believers to wrestle with discouragement and doubt and fear and shame and guilt and regret, even causing them to question their worth and their salvation and their place in God's family. And you guys know what that feels like because you've been there. And his deceitful voice whispers, God doesn't love You can never be forgiven. You'll always be unworthy. You're not good enough to be saved. You'll always be weak. You'll always be a failure. And the more that we feed in to to the enemy's false accusations, the feebler and more incapacitated we become. And so it's for this reason that Proverbs 4.23 instructs us, watch over your hearts with all diligence, from, from, for from it flow the springs of life. Friends, if we allow the enemy to penetrate our hearts with his lies, it will drain the springs of life right out of us. And you know what that feels like, and I know what that feels like, because we've allowed him to do that before, haven't we? And so this is why wearing the breastplate of righteousness is so vital. Of course, this begs the question, well, what is the breastplate of righteousness? How does it protect us? What does it mean? I'm glad you asked that question. You see, the breastplate of righteousness is first and foremost, listen, it's first and foremost a reference to the righteousness that believers have in Christ. Theologians call this imputed righteousness. You see, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, read it with me, we might become the righteousness of God. See, as most of you know, so what does this mean, imputed righteousness? Well, as most of you know, uh, last year a series of stimulus checks were given to practically everyone in the nation during the pandemic. And these stimulus checks were a payment credited directly to our bank accounts. And once the credit was in our account, it was ours and could not be taken away. Well, in the same way, God's imputed righteousness is like a credit to your spiritual account. The moment when you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, his righteousness was given to you, and it cannot be taken away. In other words, once you're saved, the enemy could do nothing to change your righteous position before God. Your salvation is secure and settled. Romans 3, verses 22 to 25 reads this. It says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, 
with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. And he did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin, and people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. You see, friends, the breastplate of righteousness is an important piece of God's armor because it reminds us that no matter how relentlessly the enemy tries to accuse us or deceive us, we can always fall back on the righteousness of God. In spite of Satan's ruthless attacks and accusations, even accusations he makes about us right in front of God, God will never change his mind about those who are his own. He will never relinquish his mercy or renounce his love for those who believe. Romans 8, 33-34 says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Church, I hope, I hope you're picking up on this because this is so important, especially when those accusations and those attacks come. Because here's the deal. As a believer, as you grow as a Christian, yeah, yeah the goal is to, to obviously become more and more like Jesus, but I think the, one of the biggest signs of spiritual maturity is having more of awareness of sin in your life. Right? And so you have more awareness of sin, and so Satan's going to take that awareness, he's going to twist it and use it to bring you down. And it's in those moments that as you're growing in your relationship with Christ, you don't want to sit and meditate on all the things that, that, that's wrong with you or the sinful nature because Jesus took care of that the moment when you believed. So when Satan comes with those attacks, you can just fall back and say, no, I have the righteousness of Christ. In fact, you could even shout out loud if you need to, not today, Satan. I am covered by the blood of Jesus. I am no longer a slave to sin. I am a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. No one can snatch me out of my Savior's hands. And nothing, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus my Lord. Amen, church? That's all scripture. That's all scripture. And so when Satan tries to attack, you say not today. Now it's important to remember that even though the enemy cannot take away a believer's righteous position before God, this doesn't mean that he's going to retreat from the fight. Truth be told, if Satan can't take away our position before God, he's going to try and take away our partnership with God. In other words, he's going to try to break our fellowship with the Lord by enticing us to sin. And this is why we must use the righteous position that we have in Christ to empower us to a righteous practices for Christ. Are you with me? So this leads us to the second key to victory. We're going to claim our righteous position, and then we're going to carry out righteous practices. 
We have positional righteousness, but now we've got to carry that out. Look at first, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians 11.3. It should be on the screen. Paul wrote, but I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Friends, a story is told of a patient who, who confronted his doctor and said, Doc, help me. I broke my arm in two places. To which the doctor replied, well then, stay out of those two places. Church, this witty doctor, the guy who thinks wrestling is still real, he's trying to figure out that joke. Anyway, this, uh, this witty doctor actually may be on to something. We must be careful to not put ourselves in vulnerable places that are, will inevitably leave us broken. You see, just as the enemy enticed Eve and led her astray from obedience to God, he tries to do the same with us. He attempts to entice us away from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And he does so by making sin look good. And so therefore, the best way to overcome the temptation to sin is to actively take part in righteous living. Because when we're idle, we're like a breeding ground for Satan. But when we're doing what Christ wants us to do, it's a little bit harder for him to get in. You see, it's actually only when we actively obey the truth of God's word that we're going to find greater protection from the pulls of the evil one. Uh, Psalm 512 says, For you bless the righteous, O Lord, and you cover him with favors with a shield. So as I mentioned earlier, the, the breastplate of righteousness is designed to protect your vital organs, especially your heart. However, if there's already sin in your heart, putting on the breastplate is not going to do you any well. Because the enemy is already in the camp. It's like fortifying a city while the enemy is just kind of hanging out in the middle. And so we got to deal with the enemy that's in our, that, that sin that's in our hearts. Because even though God doesn't hold our sins against us from a positional perspective, in other words, we're saved. Once you're saved, you're saved. Our sins greatly hinder our relationship with God from a practical perspective. And the enemy will most certainly use this against us. You know, I love my children deeply. And there's nothing that they can ever do that will cause me to stop loving them deeply. Likewise, there's nothing they can ever do that would cause them to lose their position as part of my family. They have my bloodline. They belong to me forever. However, there are things that they can do, bad behaviors, if you will, that will negatively impact my relationship with them and it will cause distance between us. Well, in many ways, this reflects our relationship with God. He will always love us. We will always belong to him. Just like we sang earlier, we are children of God. Yes, we are. But our bad behavior will negatively impact our relationship with him and will give the devil a foothold in our lives. And so it's for this reason that we must regularly come before God, ask him to reveal sin in our hearts, repent of our sin, and recommit to righteous living. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 and then verse 8 and 9 say, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness... We lie and don't practice the truth. In verse 8 and 9, but if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, church, regular repentance coupled with righteous living keeps us on the winning side of the battle. Yes? Are you with me? Make sense? And so so we're going to claim our righteous position when the enemy tries to attack our minds. We're going to couple that with saying, I'm going to to live for Jesus the best I can. In those moments of failure, I'm going to repent of my sin, get back on track, and keep going. There's one more piece to the puzzle, and it's this. Key to victory is we need to count on your righteous provider. Claim. Claim your position. Carry out your practices. Count on your righteous provider. Look at Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. It says this. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Church, as a pastor, I've done my fair share of wedding ceremonies. And I always get a kick out of the anxiety that a groom experiences as he waits up front for his bride right about here. Because we don't have that center aisle, which we're working on. Hopefully, Lord willing, at some point we'll have one. I can get you guys on board. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But generally speaking, he hasn't seen his bride in the last 24 hours or so, and so he's nervous. I mean, he's shaking, like as if it's all about him. I mean, nobody cares about the groom, right? But anyway, he's up here, he's nervous. And the doors in the back are shut, and the people are standing, and the aisle's empty, and everyone waits expectantly for the doors to open and the bride to enter the room. And sometimes, just to entertain myself, I'll whisper in the groom's ear, I hope she shows up. Sweat beating down his brow. I'm cruel like that. But of course, at just the right time, she always does. I have yet to officiate a wedding where, yeah, that awkward moment where the bride never showed up. You see, by the time a groom suits up and stands up, he wholly trusts that his bride is going to show up. Well, in some ways... This illustrates the type of trust that we need to have in the Lord when it comes to putting on the armor of God. You see, once we suit up and we stand up in our battle against the enemy, we just need to trust that God's going to show up at just the right time. In church, he always does. He always does. God is faithful and he will never let his people down. I love what Psalm 34 verses 18 and 19 says says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. As you might have seen a, a few weeks ago, it was announced that two people had won the massive $632 million Powerball lottery. The poor souls have to split the winnings in half, you know, man. But here's the deal. These people may have the winning ticket. I'm not advocating playing the lottery. I'm just using this as an illustration, so chill. But these people, they may have the winning ticket. 
but it does them no good unless they cash it in, right? You could have a winning ticket sitting on your dresser all day long, but unless you cash it in, it does you no good. Friends, God has given us the winning ticket over the enemy. We just need to cash it in and count on him to take care of the rest. So here's the deal. If you're in a spiritual battle this morning, if you're being falsely accused by the enemy, if he's firing bullets of discouragement or doubts, fear, guilt, shame, or regret your way, let me encourage you to put on the breastplate of righteousness and rely on God to give you victory. Remember the triumphant words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 8.37. Yeah, we're reading this one together. The whole thing. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Not just a little bit of victory. Overwhelming victory belongs to God's children. And this leads us back to today's truth to remember. Our refuge is in God's righteousness. It's all about God's righteousness. It's about his righteousness that's imputed onto us. It's about his righteousness that we live out. It's all about God. And so, friends, before we close, it's important to understand that the very first key to living in victory is making sure you have victory. In other words, you need to make sure that you're saved. Not going to play games. You just need to make sure you're saved. You need to make sure that you actually have Christ's imputed righteousness. The Bible teaches that God, who is holy, made us in his image to know him. But we sinned and we cut ourselves off from him. And in his great love, God became a man in Jesus. He lived a perfect life and died on the cross, taking the punishment for our sins upon himself. And then three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And in doing so, he provided the only way for you and I to be saved and receive eternal life. Jesus said in John 5, 24, he said, I tell you the truth. I mean, everything that Jesus says is the truth, yes? But when he starts a sentence off with, I tell you the truth, or verily, verily, I say unto you, depending on your translation, when he sa or says truthfully, truthfully, I mean, this is like, it's the truth and it packs a punch with it, like a stamp, heavenly stamp. He says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. But they have already, and I love that word already, they have already passed from death into life. Friends, eternal life is not something you get when you die. Or, or you receive it when you die. You receive it while you're still alive. The, the imputed righteousness of Christ, you don't get when you die. You get it the moment you believe. Your sin's on him, his righteousness on you. It's a transaction that happens here and now. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus for your salvation, then as it currently stands, you don't have his righteousness. And you will spend eternity separated from him in hell. 
But the good news is that uh, that can all change. Right here, right now. Just like that, it could change. See, to receive Christ, you, you simply must repent of your sins, which means to change your mind or turn away from sin, and to trust in Jesus alone for your forgiveness and your salvation. John 3.16, we know it well, says, For God so loved the world, he loves you. He loves you. That he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, that means you, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In fact, if you desire to receive Christ today, and you want to start living in victory, I'm going to invite you to solidify your decision by coming forward during the closing song. And I know that coming forward could be a bit intimidating. You're sitting there, you're thinking, oh man, I feel like I want to do this, but I'm a little nervous about coming forward. Listen, there's no reason to hesitate. And there's no reason to be embarrassed because I want to tell you something, Jesus loves you. <laughs> loves you so much to come to this earth, take all your sins, your sins, my, upon himself so that you might have that opportunity to become part of his family. He loves you, and he's ready to receive you, and he wants to adopt you. And so if you need Jesus, just come forward. And listen, you don't have to come alone. You can come with a friend or a family member or that person that you don't know that's literally sitting next to you in the pew right now. And just simply look to that person who's sitting next to you and said, hey, would you just mind coming forward with me? I just, need, I just need somebody else there with me. And they'll be happy to. In fact, I'm just going to do an open invitation to anyone here who needs prayer. To anyone here who's in the midst of a spiritual battle. To anyone here who feels overwhelmed by the accusations of the enemy and just needs the Lord's intervention. To anyone here who has unconfessed sin and wants to get right with the Lord, if that's you. And you feel compelled, and I invite you to come forward as well. Give it over to the Lord. Just come and pray. And just give it over to God. So here's the invitation. Whether you're seeking Christ for salvation or you're seeking Christ's help for a spiritual battle, if you need Jesus in some way, shape, or form, and the music starts, you just come. You'll be glad you did. I'd like to invite the praise team to come forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for leading us to this study in the armor of God. I think it's so timely and important. God, these, these few verses that are tucked back in the closing chapter of Ephesians have a huge weight of application for our lives today, a critical weight of application. And God, we admit that we just don't think about it. We wake up each day and, Lord, we confess that we don't put on your armor. And then when, we, when we're dealing with these spiritual attacks, Lord, we don't know what to do about them. We don't know how to handle them. So I thank you that you just even led us to, to this series to remind us, God, of what you've given us to have victory. And so, Lord, this morning I just want to pray for our church body, for anyone here that needs to trust Christ as their Lord and Savior, that you would prick on their hearts to come and do so today. For anyone here who's just wrestling, fellow brother or sister in Christ who just needs prayer, just needs to give something over to you, that they would do the same. But Lord, regardless, we thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us through your Holy Spirit. God, help us to leave here better protected. 
to fight off the enemy. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.